Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Thank you for listening to our show. It is all about family and parenting, and this year we've added family financial freedom as a major topic. We want to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free with topics ranging from debt elimination, student loans, credit, cash flow, investment, and money mindset, and of course, leadership. And join us on YouTube. You can watch our interviews on video. My brand new second book is now available on Amazon. It's called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. You can find out more about our turnkey real estate investing program at truelegacywealth.com. And of course, you can also get my first book on Amazon. It's called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership, 15 Simple Tips Successful Companies Use That Families Can Implement at Home. The links are on the show notes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your organization or event, please contact me at info at integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time. Today, we're going to talk about student loan debt and the stigma behind it. Now, don't believe people who say that nothing can be done about the student loan debt because our guest today actually helps people reduce student loans and other debts, and her clients are seeing fantastic results every day. She is a former trial counsel for Sally Mae, ECMC, and other student loan servicers and guarantors in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Now she switched sides and represents student loan borrowers and other debtors both inside and outside of bankruptcy. And since getting rid of student loans is so difficult in bankruptcy, her company has gotten really creative in finding ways to reduce the debt to affordable and sustainable payments with an end in sight. Her company prides themselves with achieving out-of-the-box results utilizing tools and techniques that other attorneys often overlook. And as a result, your matter can often be accomplished with less cost and in less time with better financial results. She is a Florida licensed attorney for over 25 years and is a frequent continuing legal education lecturer on student loans and consumer debt collection laws for other attorneys. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Christy D. Arkovich. Hi, Christy. Hi, Jacqueline. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Hopefully some folks will learn a little bit more about their student loans here today. Absolutely. It is a huge stigma and I think there's a lot of fear around it. I know my daughter is in ninth grade and hearing, you know, how much colleges cost and how much student loan debt we have, I don't know where to turn to. So I'm glad that you're on the show. Thank you. Yes. Talk about that. The stigma that, I mean, even with this whole college scandal coming out, that I think to be successful, you have to go to these expensive big name university. And uh, we all see why the wealthy feels that way. And I think sometimes people think we got to be with the Joneses. But I think for most kids, what they end up with is just a huge student loan debt and maybe even credit card debt on top of it all. 
they can't get a job to keep all the debt, so then they just end up feeling worse for themselves. What do you think we can do about this? Yeah, I view that as the old view where when I went to school uh, back in the 80s and 90s, pretty much everyone was taught to get the best degree they can, go to the best school, it'll all work out. And so one of the biggest things nowadays is for people to realize it doesn't always work out and it might be better to uh, look at it as an investment and figure out what the actual cost of education is going to be over the full four years if it's a BA, for instance, and make sure that the career that they choose is going to uh, produce the amount of money to maintain a standard of living that they want as well as pay the student loan debt. So uh, looking at it as an investment, I think, is probably the biggest thing that someone can do. And then trying to minimize their school expenses and other expenses they put on student loans is pretty much the second thing that we would recommend. Does a student really have to go to a university or even an Ivy League or you know some of these private colleges to be successful? Not at all. Um, for instance, I went to a community college for my first two years, and then I transferred to a private university, and I went to a private law school. And uh, when I graduated, I never had any problem paying my student loans. I didn't put any living expenses on them. And my school was highly rated here in the state of Florida, where I ultimately wanted to practice. So there really wasn't any point for me to try to go to an Ivy League school. So I think people should maybe focus on where they want to uh, have their career. You know, if it's going to be somewhere local, then do they really want to go to a school out of state uh, or something along those lines? And then if they can go to community colleges, uh, they can also then transfer to whatever school of their choice where their ultimate degree, whether it was a bachelor's or master's or even a PhD would be. Um, and now you have um, this scandal out there where folks are getting in by paying money, basically, uh, on behalf of their children to get into Ivy League schools. I don't know what kind of impact that's going to have, but that certainly may change some things as well. Yeah, yeah. So you yourself went to a community college for two years versus just going straight into a four-year college. And it seemed to really worked and have been helpful for you. Right. There was the old view that people would go to community college only if they couldn't get into a state university or private school. And I did it really because it was nearby and I could figure out what I wanted to do and save some money at the same time. And then I transferred to a more expensive school that was further away after that. So I think that uh, people might look at community colleges going forward differently, more as a way to uh, minimize their expense and look at it again as an investment. I think it's a good decision to go to community college. Um, other things to uh, preserve on um, money would be taking advantage of work-study programs, internships, uh, utilizing part-time jobs. One of the biggest problems that we see from our clients who've been out there 10 or 20 years and they have a lot of student loan debt, they're not really achieving their goals financially, they're not able to pay that debt back. Um, one of the problems is that they may be switched degrees. Uh, or even switch schools too many times, and they wasted a lot of money by doing that. And that's probably the other thing is they say, I think the statistic is it's like 80, over 80% of kids switch degrees or majors. Yeah, I haven't heard that statistic, but uh, I wonder if that's true. Really, that's a lot. Yeah, I interviewed a financial aid specialist, and they were saying some, yeah, staggering statistic about that, that how many students actually switch majors in college. And I think that that goes to the fact that maybe we can't expect kids who are 16, 17, 18 to know what they want to be at that age. And so they're going to switch degrees, right? I'd like to have people think more along the lines of, um, it's called taking a gap year or two. 
And he really wasn't called that when I was going to school, but it is now. And my nephew, he wasn't sure if he wanted to go to law school. He'd always wanted to go since age five. He kind of was following in my footsteps, I think. But he heard all my student loan stories. And so he started to backpedal. And um, when he couldn't get a job right out of college, even though his grades were excellent, uh, he decided he wanted to take some time, maybe work at a law firm, uh, do a gap year between that and law school and make sure he really wanted to take on the commitment and, and time and money to go to law school. And it turned out the gap year was the best thing he could have done. He got some practical experience. He made up his mind. If someone didn't do that and they decided to go to law school and spend all that money, we have a lot of clients who didn't uh, pass the bar exam or they didn't uh, complete their law school studies, but they still have those loans. The loans aren't written off just because you change your mind and don't want to be whatever anymore. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think you bring up a really good point that not everyone has to go directly to college. There are other choices and possibilities that you can choose from, like you were saying, gap year. Yeah. In the old days, I think a lot of people were afraid that someone would, like my father, he, he wanted me to go right to school because he felt that if I did something else, I wouldn't go back to school. When people get married, they have children, they have families. But uh, nowadays, I think it's a good way to find yourself and make sure that that is a career that interests you before you make that investment and spend all that money. Yeah. And there's also a work-study program, right? Yeah. There's all kinds of ways to... I know that someone can't usually pay for their entire tuition with a part-time job. Maybe in the old days you could. Now you really can't, not with the cost of tuition the way it is. But if you combine a lot of different things, part-time jobs, try to take advantage of scholarships and grants where you can, uh, work-study programs where you get some practical experience, you get to know the advisors better, the professors better... Every little thing counts. And they're also you know, working towards networking, too, so that you are meeting more professionals in the industry that you want to get a job for, because you know, sometimes that's where you're, you, you should focus on the limited um, the money that you spend for college, look at it as an investment, but also try to use, make contacts and things for getting that job down the road. For me, I'm a big advocate for traveling. I think it uh, really is one of the best education. What do you think about maybe taking that gap year or something like that to travel and maybe even join the Peace Corps or something like that? I think all that's a good idea because it's good to see things from a perspective other than your own. And different countries do everything differently. And you wouldn't know that unless you traveled. Um, When I went to Germany and Switzerland for our honeymoon, I saw just some unusual things that I would have never seen in the U.S. And that was only for a week's time. If I would have spent a year and actually did some work too overseas, I would have probably a completely different outlook on a lot of things. Yeah, definitely. For those people who decide they want to go to college, that's the route they want to do. How should they decide what college to go to? Well, there is something new the Department of Ed has put out called the College Scorecard. I was interviewed by a local news channel uh, last week about this. And it was kind of nice. It put together some information about the total cost of the school. Uh, What I liked about it is that it had graduation rates and retention rates. And so you could see that a school like maybe University of Phoenix would cost about the same as another private school. You would see that their retention and graduation rates was much less favorable. And um, it also showed 10 years after graduation what that person's average salary would be on average with the whole graduating class. It had a lot of information. So you could compare schools um, across the nation, both private and public. So that college scorecard is something new. Um, I think they're updating it on an annual basis. If they keep that up, um, it provides information from a source other than the college itself, because we've all heard about problems, or at least I have, 
from folks that went to these for-profit schools where they have shiny brochures, they have charts and graphs, you know, here's what you're going to make after graduation, but they were inflating the job placement rates and the salary ranges, telling folks they're going to get a $90,000 job three months after graduation. And instead, they're working $12 an hour doing something. So I think that this um, college scorecard, any information they can get from externships and internships in the industry itself will give them a view separate than the college. And I think that that gives them a more well-rounded view about which college they should choose. And is that a website that they can go to? Yeah, it was called the College Scorecard. I forget actually the um, website, but if you Google that, I think it comes right up. It was something that was created by the Department of Ed. Okay, so it's an independent study. Sure. Yes. Okay, got it. That's wonderful news. I've heard of some lawsuits from students to colleges that that happened to where they felt the college inflated themselves and they couldn't get jobs. Yeah, and it's a problem because many of those schools, they don't put any of that in writing. They don't give the students the charts and the graphs that they're showing them. And so it's just verbal representations. That's something you often can't sue for. It's got a name. It's called puffery. And it's a problem. A lot of our state universities and colleges don't do that, but some of the for-profit ones do. And they'll probably be correcting their behaviors um, now that they're being looked at more carefully. But it has been a big problem in the past. So what are some ways besides student loans and scholarship that kids can help fund their college education? Well, a lot of the colleges, uh, what they'll do first is they'll encourage the student to look at their federal eligibility. They'll get federal loans. And I encourage folks to get federal loans as opposed to private because private loans are usually more costly. They require co-borrowers. They don't have as good of repayment terms often. Uh, But one of the sources of money is um, what can the parents do in terms of their own funds or it might be that they're, co-bar- they're co-signing a private loan, or it may be that they're taking out their own uh, parent plus federal loans. Um, so those are some of the other resources. And I'd encourage everyone to, again, look at the total cost of education, see what they think they're going to have to pay back at the end, what the monthly payments might be uh, before they take that leap. Um, many of our clients are students that, or former students that have gotten out and they didn't recognize they had a problem right away when they first graduated. They're paying their student loan, think everything is good. But after 10, 15 years, they realize, wow, even though they've been paying their loans all this time, they've not made a dent or maybe they even owe more than what they borrowed. So then they start coming to me recognizing, well, how am I going to get out of this? I I can't do anything. And uh, we're able to create solutions for them. So um, even though they can get other loans from other sources and utilizing parents and grandparents and things, it's just be careful. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. What do you do can you talk about some of these clients and how you've helped them? Because th- this is a very common problem. Some of the biggest problems that we've seen are folks that are in federal income-driven plans, and they're often in the wrong kind of plan. Basically, the income-driven plans are designed to have forgiveness at the end of the time period. And so a lot of times the plans aren't explained very well, so folks just need some assistance figuring out which one to get in, how it works, and so forth. Um, when a client comes to see me, they're often in the wrong plan and they really don't realize it. I've even had people just with something simple, like they're in a standard repayment plan, not income driven or anything. And they think it's 10 years. Turns out it's 30 years. So 10 years later, when they come to me, they've not made a dent on their loan. They would have maybe paid more down had they recognized what the actual term was, that it was a 30 year loan. Um, so just recognizing the term of the loan, what you have And then perhaps looking uh, out to a student loan lawyer like myself, Uh, believe it or not, there is a category now uh, that's recognized. I mean, it's not um, recognized by the Florida Bar because it's too specialized, too much of a niche. 
But many of us, though, we call ourselves student loan lawyers, and we're able to tell people about the differences on the programs, what they should do, how to get in public service and actually get a discharge, because that's a big problem nowadays. And then with private loans, uh, we're able to settle them usually for 20 to 50 cents on the dollar, get them on a payment plan that, that ends that loan in three, four, five years, as opposed to having to make payments on a loan for the rest of their life, basically. So not all student loans are the same. You're saying some are called income-driven plans, and then there's, there's other ones. Yeah, when a client comes to me, uh, that is one of the problems. They don't really know what they have in terms of student loans uh, because there are federal loans and there's private loans. And then sometimes they might have had grants and GI bills that they don't have to repay. So the first step is to recognizing what they have. And there actually is a website, uh, the National Student Loan Database, where it's NSLDS. Um, and that database site will let someone pull all of their federal loans, regardless of the status or where the loans are held. They could be with the, with the government, they could be with a private servicer, they could be with a guarantor or even a debt collector, regardless of where the federal loan is. It's got a list of all of them. And one of the important things is, is it tells you your loan type. And that's extremely important for someone working public service. Because before 2010, most folks had the older loan type that's not eligible for public service loan forgiveness, and they don't realize that they need to change. It's not hard to change, but they do need to know to do it. And many of the servicers, unfortunately, the borrower is not their client, so they don't feel the need to tell the borrower, hey, you need to change this if you actually want to get relief at the end of the 10-year forgiveness period as a public service worker. And that's a, that's a big problem. So one of the, the things folks should focus on is making sure that they're getting their advice from an advocate for them as opposed to just the student loan servicer that works for the other side. Uh, so when you say uh, public service, is that like a nonprofit then? Yeah, working for a government or nonprofit. Uh, there, if you work 10 years, uh, you're supposed to have your loans forgiven, but there's a few hoops you have to jump through. And we've actually had to sue um, some of the larger servicers with class action suits uh, alleging that they have misled borrowers into believing, yes, they're accruing time towards the program, but in reality, they're not. They're not even one day into the program. So someone would have to call you to ask you before they sign the paper if this is that kind of loan then? Well, not necessarily call me before they take the loan out, but when they graduate, then maybe have someone look over what their loan types are, what their best programs are, and what they should do. Or after graduation, if they've been in for a while, and they're just not sure what to do. Um, doesn't have to be before graduation or uh, before they sign the, sign the loans. But if they're getting into the wrong loan and then they've signed on the paperwork and then they've graduated and now they have these loans, is it harder for you to help them get out of it as opposed to having the knowledge beforehand? Well, the government has helped in one area. The older FEL or federal family education loans uh, that most folks used to have before 2010 that program was discontinued in 2010. So all loans, all federal loans now are, are known as direct loans, which means it's loaned directly from the government to the borrower. And those loans are eligible for the programs that we've talked about, and that's good. So really the, the distinction is whether or not people are signing a private loan or a federal loan. And with many schools, unfortunately, the distinction is not clear. And in fact, sometimes they don't even know that it's a loan at all. They're told, we're going to give you you know, $15,000 of financial aid this year. Well, what is that aid? Is it something I have to repay? Is it something I don't have to repay? It's usually a combination of three or four things. So the key is trying to figure out um, taking advantage of the scholarships and grants or, bill, or GI Bill where eligible, and then federal loans, and then private loans at the very last if they absolutely must. Okay. Now you're in Florida. What about if someone has a child going to school like in California? Could you still help them? 
Sure. Uh, we have a resource site on our website, which is uh, christiearkovich.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E. And the last name is A-R-K-O-V-I-C-H. And there's a resource page where the very first entry has a list of um, grads from a workshop based on student loans. There's a fellow up in Rhode Island by the name of Josh Cohen that has done a workshop for student loans for many of our fellow lawyers. And it's done by state. So you just press the button for your state and you'll see however many student loan attorneys are in your state that are practicing in that and just start down that list is what I'd suggest. What about out-of-state students? Like if I, my child lives in California and she decides to go to school in New York, would you get an attorney for New York or California? Probably where they live, California. Got it. Okay. So then now what if these kids are afraid of getting into debt because of going to college? What should they do? Well, basically, um, there's a lot of careers out there that uh, have been overlooked. A lot of trade schools and things, they might want to look there. Uh, Also, a lot of that stuff is stepping stones for what the career is that they might want. And so they might go to a trade school or become a paralegal in in my industry, for instance, before they were to become a lawyer, for instance. Um, But electricians, plumbers, any trades, they make quite a bit of money and they don't have a lot in education. I mean, in terms of um, advanced PhDs and master's degrees. One of the problems with teachers' salaries nowadays is that many of the teachers have to have gotten master's degrees for their job, and their pay never really warrants the repayment of all that education all the way up through a master's degree. So choosing a career that doesn't require a bachelor's, a master's, or, or a PhD is probably a good step there for someone who doesn't want to incur the college expense at all. Um, also, state universities and community colleges don't cost very much. Um, many of the times, they can maybe pay that out of pocket if they'd maybe taken a job for a year or two, saved up some money, lived at home during that time, they might be able to pay cash or nearly cash for uh, a state school. I know there's lots of loans out there that are just interest only. How do you avoid those and like say forbearance too? Yeah, that's a big problem. Most of the loan services out there, they, in my opinion, they use forbearance kind of like a drug. They, they push forbearance. It's an easy solution for them. In their mind, the loan balance is getting bigger. The person's going to make more later. They can pay more. So that's why the servicers in continuing to push forbearance. It keeps the loan current. Ultimately, that loan will be repaid at a much higher balance, maybe two or three times what it originally was. So the key there is to avoid interest only and forbearance because of the accrual of interest. And forbearance, it capitalizes. You're paying interest on interest. To do that, it's always good to ask again, what is the term of my loan? Many folks who come to see me, they don't realize they're on an interest only. They think that, okay, I'm making my payment. I'm making it every month on time. My loan should be gone in a reasonable amount of time, 10, 20, 25 years. And instead, they realize that they've been paying $5 a month towards principal, if that. And so in 25 years, it's still the same. Uh, So just knowing what you have and what the term is, is probably the easiest way. Um, But trying to pay down extra principal when you can with bonuses or uh, side gigs or something that you can do outside of your normal salary. You know, maybe, maybe keep your monthly nut low enough that you can always afford it, but then you do a couple side gigs. So you can have some extra money to throw it in, throw in every month or every year and get it down quickly. Wow. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now you're giving a free giveaway to our listener. Can you tell us about the free giveaway? Sure. I've written an ebook. Um, it's very popular with many of our clients. In fact, they've come in and asked for extra copies to give to their friends a lot of times. But it's called How to Take Your Life Back from Your Student Loans. And it's not that long. It's very easy to read. It's available on our website for free, uh, thechristiarkovich.com. It's on the front page as well as 
we have a student loan resource center. Um, I actually call it student loan survival center because sometimes it's more of a matter of surviving your student loans. And it's on that page as well. Um, I think a lot of people will recognize that there's options. They had no idea that existed. Uh, many clients, when they come to see us, they speak of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. They'd wish they'd come to see me years before. They'd be that much further ahead. And most of them just simply don't know that there's folks out there like me that can help and that there's these options that are even available. Yeah. And I think that's, you just said it, people don't see the light in the tunnel. They feel like they're just in a dark room, not knowing where or who to even ask for help. And they're also a little bit embarrassed because they've accumulated so much debt and it's gotten out of control and they, they were trying their best. I mean, most people go to school to better their lives and provide for their family. It's a big hit when they realize what a hole they're digging out from. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your website is Christy Arkovich, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E-A-R-K-O-V-I-C-H.com. You also have a Facebook page. Uh, yes, I regularly blog. And so that automatically posts to Twitter, LinkedIn, and mostly Facebook. And so we have a business page on Facebook, uh, Christy Arkovich, PA. Awesome. So listeners, all the information to contact Christy in the show notes. Christy, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. I hope, uh, Jacqueline, this is helping some of your listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, absolutely. I think any knowledge about this whole student loan arena is is helpful. And once people have the knowledge, they have more power into deciding what they want to do and more resources like you. Sounds good. Okay, thank you. So listeners, the quote of the week is, for every reason it's not possible, there are hundreds of people who have faced the same circumstances and succeeded. And that's by Jack Canfield. Until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.